Well, good morning. While it is only the second week of Advent, the Christmas shopping season has been underway for some time, as we talked about last Sunday. Immediately after Halloween, Christmas glitter, green and red, replaced orange and black decorations on the store shelves. The culture's consumer messages are ruthless and they're seductive. People who thrive on non-stop carols may be tiring of the commercial bombardment that assaults us at every turn, encouraging us to associate piles of stuff with happiness. We may welcome pausing to refocus our attention, our energy, thoughts, and actions on a different message, an alternative way of living. I uh, said this in the first service or something to this effect, and I often say it every year about this time, that we are generous people. We talk about generosity and how we are all called to give and to give generously and with a a generous spirit. But I want to remind you that in this uh, world that we live in of consumerism, particularly this this time of year where everyone is wanting you to buy and buy and buy and spend more money and buy more stuff because you just have to have it and you have such a good deal and you have percentage off. Just like my dad used to say, it might be 20% off, but you still have to spend X amount of money for the product. And I just want to remind you that show love, show generosity, but don't spend so much money that you find yourself in debt buying things for people that don't necessarily really appreciate it anyway. Now, I don't mean that in any way to be disrespectful. It's just a reminder, don't get yourself in debt. Is that a good word that we need to hear? Okay. Our readings this morning have some good questions for today. Malachi 3 verse 2 says, Who can endure the day of His coming? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, are we being faithful managers, stewards of the mysteries of God? And are we being imitators? And are we being found faithful in Him? In our Gospel reading in Luke, who will prepare the way by repentance and forgiveness? Now these are great Advent questions. Advent calls us into to question our readiness for Jesus Christ's coming. Our Old Testament reading is from Malachi. Malachi had a multifaceted ministry. And as a sensitive pastor, Malachi offered God's love to a disheartened people. He instructed the people of Judah in basic doctrine that emphasized God's nature. And as a stern prophet, Malachi rebuked corrupt priests and warned of God's judgment. And as a spiritual mentor, he called his people to more sincere worship and challenged them to live by the ethical standards of God's covenant. Malachi conveys God's simple but vital word to the people of Israel. And he says in Malachi 1 verse 2, I have always loved you. I think that's a word that the people needed to hear in that time. It's a word that we need to hear today, that God loves us. Despite how far we might have drifted away from God's ways, God still loves us. He's always there with open arms to welcome us home. Malachi wrote to Jews in the Persian province of Judea, and, and Jewish exiles returning from Babylon had recently resettled in Ju- Judea, 
and uh, uh, joining others who had not been deported. So at the time when Malachi preached, the temple had been rebuilt, but it paled in comparison to Solomon's temple. And the priests and the Levites were the power brokers of, of Judea, and yet the, the temple worship was in a sorry state. Now, I hope you get that. Temple worship was in a sorry state. Uh, that's something to really emphasize because it really was. The apathetic priests actually led people into sin, and not, they weren't leading them out of sin. Now, that makes worship sorry and pathetic. So worshipers uh, offered inferior animal sacrifices and neglected God's requirements for tithes and offerings. Malachi confronted a people given to religious cynicism, political skepticism, and spiritual disillusionment. And I think that we find ourselves in a very similar state in the world today. They expected prosperity. They expected a king from David's line. They expected a new covenant that was promised by by the prophet Jeremiah. But they saw none of these things happening. And in their, their minds, God had failed his people. So Malachi intended to correct the wrong thinking of the people of Judah um, about their covenant relationship with God. So Malachi 3 starts off and he says this, Look, I am sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Now, this language sounds familiar, doesn't it? Who does it sound like? It sounds like John the Baptist, exactly. God is raising up someone to lead the way. So we hear that in the Old Testament. We hear that in our gospel reading this morning. So verse 2 talks about a blazing fire and a strong soap. So the dross of the people's wickedness and sin must be burned away by the fires of divine discipline and God's holiness, God's refining fire. The strong soap is an acaline detergent that was actually made from plants. So the blazing fire and the strong soap sig- signifies the testing by smelting and purifying like gold and silver and cleansing by washing that would restore Israel's faithfulness to its covenant relationship with the Lord. Verse 5 tells us that God will put them on trial. So the context that's going on here is an actual trial. So the words eager to witness means that God is both the prosecuting attorney, he's the accuser, and he's the key witness. In other words, he's the provider of the evidence against uh, Judah. So against two, the sorcerers, those who practice witchcraft, black magic, or fortune telling for personal gain, and adulterers, those who walked away from a relationship with God and gave themselves over to um, unfaithfully to another, uh, another, and liars, those who couldn't admit the truth, who preferred distortion and twisted information instead, and those who oppressed others. So the people of God are called to righteousness, right living, to just living. This is a turning from sin and a renewed reverence for God's covenant of life and peace and uprightness. So like the ancient priesthood, the contemporary priesthood of all believers opens its life to the refining presence of God and offers its life in right and obedient living. Where do we need the refining presence of God to come and to burn in our life? Where do we need that strong soap for God to be able to wash us clean? We need to be open 
to that during this season. Actually, all seasons of life, but especially during the Advent season. So we invite the Holy Spirit to look inside ourselves, to look inside our church, to look inside our family. What will God's refining fire look like? Malachi 3 verse 4 says, Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. What will our worship, what will our stewardship look like in Long Beach at All Saints Church? Will it be pleasing to the Lord? So although Zacharias' prophecy that was found in in Luke chapter 1, about this is uh, coming from John the Baptist's father, over a child is quite possibly the most enduring in the biblical text, what makes the prophecy so compelling, compelling is that Zechariah is not primarily concerned about himself, nor is he just concerned about his own son. Instead, Zechariah's prophecy exalts God. It points to salvation history and to the faithfulness of Almighty God and how God will break upon them through the Messiah and foretells God's tender mercies on upcoming generations of God's covenant people. Now, in morning prayer, if you are a, a person who practices and prays morning prayer, you will find that um, every morning we pray the canticle of the Song of Zechariah. Zechariah conveys a sense of wonder that um, he is a part of. He, with all of his arrogance and unbelief, which is why he was mute for nine months, now basks in the love and the forgiveness and the mercy of Almighty God. Zechariah's hymn makes clear that true peace in our hearts and in our world will come when we are right with God. When we have laid aside our own ambitions and passions or at least turned them over to God so that he can direct them for his kingdom purposes. That's when peace will come to the world. The condition of our lives and all of creation is troubled by self-centeredness and self-absorption and, and, and the failure to understand what is available in true communion and relationship with God and the people of God. What God has offered us in the ancient covenant and offers us still in the coming of Jesus Christ. So they, though we may live in between times, which was the theme of last week's sermon, When we do not fully walk in the way of peace, Zechariah promises that his little boy, John the Baptist, will prepare us to bridge those times as we live toward God's reign in hope. We are a hopeful people and we live in between the first coming of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ, and the second coming when He will come back again. So what darkness... Have we experienced this past year in our life? Who brought light to us when we found ourselves in darkness? What darkness are we presently experiencing right now in our life? Will we let Jesus Christ come and bring hope and light? Will we allow Jesus to come in the form of another person to speak words of life and hope to us? On this second Sunday of Advent, as Malachi shouts from the, mount, the mountaintop, his prophecy that God is a refining fire, a strong soap, and he's the judge of all. Paul is reminding the Corinthian Christians and us 
that we are stewards. We are managers that have been entrusted with the mysteries of God. Think about that for a moment. Does that strike you? Does that, does that make you think? Does that warm your hearts? Is that a, something that is like, wow, what a responsibility. Wow, what a privilege that we've been given to be the managers, the stewards of the mysteries of Almighty God. We've been given the master's business. How well are we stewarding? How well are we managing this responsibility? Our whole lives are devoted to our master's concerns and will and ways, not our own. So Paul wants us to be found faithful. He rebukes the Corinthians and and us for the ways that we have been arrogant, and he admonishes us as a father. There is no room for pride. Humble gratitude is the only appropriate attitude to have. He says that there are not many fathers, but Paul was that willing spiritual father for others. We have to ask ourselves as men in this congregation, are we willing to give ourselves as spiritual fathers to others? Are we willing as women to be spiritual mothers to others? People are looking for somebody to love them, to be an example, a life to follow, a life to pattern themselves after. I know that is a little bit scary to think, I don't want no one patterning their life after me. Well, you know what? All we need to do is be a step ahead. Are you a step ahead? Can you invite someone to come walk with you? Well, maybe you don't need to think about yourself being up ahead of somebody. Just walk with them. Show them the way to go. It's a privilege. We are to be imitators of Paul. We're to be imitators of spiritual leaders as he and others imitate and follow Jesus. Paul says our life and words should demonstrate the reality of God's presence and power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power and through obedience. As we've talked about many times before, one of the greatest ways to reach our generation is really not words. Some people say, well, I don't know enough about the biblical story, or, oh, I I fear I'm going to get the context wrong, or get the story wrong, or get what book wrong. Well, okay, you know, guess what? I butcher things like that as well. I mean, I was reading the gospel this morning, and I practiced those words over and over and over again, and I got right up and just butchered every one of these words. Jim did a pretty good job, didn't he? But I'm just saying we blow it. We, we mess things up. We forget things. But listen, in this world today, we're going to have more influence on people by the way that we live, by us modeling and showing the way. I'm not saying that we need to be wordless. I just think that we need to have less words because having the right living and people being able to see Jesus in us will open up the opportunity to be able to talk. Advent is a season of preparation. At home, people are cleaning, getting out their Christmas decorations, purchasing trees, baking, hosting and attending parties, and simply getting ready for Christmas. Uh, Dawn last night had the privilege of playing taxi for our daughter, and she uh, was in Naples, and, and it was just, Dawn came, come home, she came home and she said, it's buzzing. Naples is just buzzing. People are everywhere. And she says, and, you know, they were having parties and they were decorating and they were arranging things. And, of course, there was the boat parade and parties were happening. And, and, and how exciting. It's, this is the time of year where that takes place. 
But into Advent busyness, each year enters John the Baptist, and he has a way of shaking things up. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week, because John the Baptist gets up and he, and he calls the people a, a brood of vipers. Now, that's an interesting wake-up call, isn't it? We'll, talk, we'll save that for next week. But he has a way of showing up in our busyness and make us think. He interrupts our schedules and he demands that preparations of a different kind be made. John demands that we get ready for Jesus before we can bask in Christmas joy and the birth of a special baby, God becoming man. John forces us to examine ourselves and our world. So as we are vacuuming our house for guests, as we're wiping up the dust, as we're doing all those other things that we do, by the way, to get ready. I, I don't know all those things that we do, but what other, some people do. I do some things, but you know, a lot of others do other things. But, but nonetheless, as we prepare, <laughs> clean toilets, I see, I know what some of the important things are. But as we prepare for people to arrive at our house, as we talked about last week, prepare our homes, our lives for the coming of Jesus. In the style of the Old Testament prophets before him, John challenges Advent people with a message of personal and and corporate self-examination. Advent, John reminds us, is a time to prepare to welcome Jesus and not simply our invited Christmas house guests. In St. Luke's Gospel reading today, the evangelist tells us that something actually happened in history, something so strange, unexpected, and rare that it changed everything. And if we will allow, it will drastically change and transform us. Why? It's for a reason. He wants to transform us for a reason, for a purpose. And that is for the sake of the world. To not only love God, but to love others and to the kingdom of God. Let us pray. As the church has prayed for over 2,000 years, come Lord Jesus. Give us the vision to see things in a new light. Show us where repentance and redemption are needed. Prepare us to be agents of transformation and love. Help us to be fathers and mothers to others. Help us to be good, faithful imitators. Help us to be ready for your return. Help us to live life as if today is our last day. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.